Welcome back to Goal Line Stuff, the show where we talk about anything and everything football related. I'm Alex Kyrkiev. And I'm Michael San Antonio. And boy, do we have a show for you today. First, four years ago on this date, our team, the Philadelphia Eagles, won the Super Bowl. And if we're a little energetic today, if we're a little excited today, you know why we're thinking about that. It still lives with us to this day. One of the, the best moments of my life, probably for you too, Alex. That, that was a great day. It'll stay one of the best moments of my life. Yeah. And I mean, it's probably the last time the Eagles are going to be a good football team. So, you know, we have to cherish that moment <laughs> for the rest of us. Um, but yeah, um, but besides that little spiel that we went on, um, we have a really nice episode planned for you today. Um, we're going to talk about a multitude of things. First, we're going to go over the AFC and NFC championship games, um, our thoughts on those and what happened. Just basically talk about that. Um, there was an upset, so we're going to have to talk about that. It's going to be pretty exciting. After that, we're going to go in on Tom Brady and his retirement. Um, he's the GOAT, so you know, definitely have to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about some coaches that were hired, um, three to be exact, since the last time we did a podcast. And then um, the two last things we're doing is Flores is suing, uh, Brian Flores is suing the league. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to talk about Washington football team's new surprise name. So that's what's on the agenda today. Um, pretty excited. Uh, first, let's just start out with the games last week. The first game was the Bengals versus the Chiefs. And we both had the Chiefs in this one. We, we both had the Chiefs. And I think most of America did. Most of anybody in the world watching did. There were a lot of people who put a lot of faith in Joe Burrow to go on a crazy run, but a lot of it was, you know, people joking around because they like Joe Burrow. And I don't think a lot of people actually thought that the Bengals were going to win that game. And they probably shouldn't have won that game. You know, when, when you look at how good the Chiefs were playing in the first half, you know, the Chiefs really blew it. And more specifically, Patrick Mahomes choked the game away. And, you know, this is this probably would have been one of their easiest rings if they were able to beat the Bengals and move on to the Super Bowl, in my opinion. So um, they really wasted an opportunity here to get another ring. And yeah, that, that's my opinion on this. I really think that the Chiefs or the Bills should be in the Super Bowl right now. So the Chiefs wasted their opportunity. I mean, yeah, I do agree that this was an opportunity that they kind of let go to waste, but to say it was an easy ring is just not right because the Rams have been playing really well these playoffs. I mean, aside from one really boneheaded throw from Stafford last week, the Rams did exactly what they needed to do to beat the Niners, which I still think the Niners should have won because of that throw that Joukowsky Tart dropped. But, you know, when you take that, you, you can't go based on what ifs, if what if he caught it. So the Rams did do enough to beat the Niners and they beat the uh the daylights out of the cardinals in the wild card round and who they play in the divisional tampa they they crushed tampa in the first half only to blow it again but like like i said they're in the super bowl <laughs> no game is going to be easy for kansas city if they make it there and they i think that kansas city kind of just like overlooked cincinnati because the same thing happened in both games they didn't treat cincinnati as a real op- as a real opponent they came out to this early lead and then just blew it at halftime. They had three total, they had six total points in the second half across the two games against Cincinnati, both of which went down to the wire with this most recent one going to overtime. But 
I think the real story of this game is the way Patrick Mahomes played in the second half. He, I saw that he had a 149.9 passer rating or something in the first half, something along the lines of 150-ish. And then in the second half, he had a pass rating of zero. On that last drive in overtime, there were three straight plays that were turnover worthy, I would call them. One of which Eli Apple dropped would have been a pick six game over. Bengals going to the Super Bowl. There was another one that should have been picked. And then the last one was picked. And the Bengals just made all the plays they needed to, whereas Patrick Mahomes faltered in the uh, in the clutch. So that's the, the difference that it really made. Obviously, you can't blame the entire game on one player, especially a player that played so well in the first half. But you got to play better in that situation if you're Mahomes. He regressed to how he played in the beginning of the season after overcoming those struggles in the second half. And it was just the worst possible time to do that. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, but I don't agree with you saying that you can't blame the game only on one player. You can't, um, I you, you generally can't, but this one is on Mahomes and Andy Reid, in my opinion, because the Chiefs, you know, they really had one job. And if they scored just, you know, before halftime, if, if they just kicked a field goal, if, if they got that touchdown, they probably would have won. Yep. But they had yep. one goal, which was to score just a little bit, a couple points in the second half. And all they could do was get one field goal. No, you know, before overtime. And I know how good the, the Bengals defense is. I know how good it is. But Patrick Mahomes is arguably, you know, on pace to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, even maybe the greatest if, you know, by the time he finishes his career. <laughs> yes. So, you know, you're saying no, but he has, he has the best start to a quarterback that a quarterback no, 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 has no. ever it's, had in NFL history. It's not that I'm discrediting Mahomes and saying that he can't be number one because if anyone can do it, it's him. It's just that the guy that's number one that we'll talk about in a little bit here is just so far ahead of everyone else that nobody's going to do it to me. Seven rings, yeah, I don't think so. But the thing is, is that Mahomes, if he made the Super Bowl this year, this would have been the third straight Super Bowl he's made. And besides Brady, what he did at the beginning of his career, no other quarterback has been to that many in that short of amount of a time. Even Pat Mahomes right now, his playoff success, is still incredible for how young it he is. I mean, nobody else, like I said, has done it except for Tom Brady at that young of an age. So yeah, he's still on pace to be, you know, maybe not the, the GOAT, but second then. And so if you're going to have that high of a stature, if you're going to be, you know, talked about as being maybe the next GOAT, then you can't choke away games like this. I know the Bengals defense is good. I've talked about it a lot, but Mahomes has to at least put together one decent drive and he couldn't quite do that you know he only got them in a field goal range once and it wasn't really him I mean it was bad in the second half and like you said three bad plays in overtime uh the pick wasn't it, it wasn't a great pass it was, it was an arm puck, basically yeah but you know um, the, the first two were definitely more egregious yeah uh the, the last one probably wouldn't have been a pick in other situations but the first two were definitely bad throws and yeah I, I blame it on Mahomes, and so um, but on, on the flip side, uh, the Bengals played a great game. Joe Burrow has so much swagger. He's such a he's a he's a great young quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be, you know, running, the not running the league, but, you know, he's going to be one of the quarterbacks running the AFC. He'll for the next the thing decade. about Burrow in the AFC is he'll never be higher than number three in the AFC. As long as everybody stays on their teams. Mahomes and Allen are just so good that I don't and think Burrow can ever reach him. Even then, you know, I know a lot of people are talking like Herbert Burrow's number three, but even then I have Herbert Herbert over Burrow. Yeah. So 
But, you know, I, I really I've been discrediting Burrow all year and I'm going to stop doing that. I mean, not discrediting him recently, but in the beginning of the year, I said that I didn't think he was going to be that great. You know, his career. I didn't think he, the outlook for the Bengals was that good this year. And he's proven me wrong. The Bengals have proven me wrong. And I officially have him in my top eight quarterbacks in the league. I have him seven or eight right now. So I'm giving him his credit. And I think, you know, if the team could keep the core that they have right now, if the defense could continue playing like this, because the defense is really what's fueled them to the Super Bowl, in my opinion, yeah. um, then I think that they are going to continue to be a force in the AFC if they could just keep this up, which is easier said than done. But yeah. we'll see. I, I do agree with you that the defense has been huge. We talked about how Kansas City beat themselves in a way, but it definitely took a, a extremely good performance from Kansas City's defense through that. Like, they made Patrick Mahomes look like Carson Wentz out there in the second half, which is really offensive to say to Mahomes because yeah. you know how I feel about Carson Wentz. <laughs> and the the way that he just looked lost out there he was running 20 yards back for sacks he was just he just kept running around kept taking sacks kept making these dumb passes that just it wasn't Mahomes out there it, it really wasn't the Mahomes that we all know and for the Bengals to be able to do that in the biggest game of the season for Evan McPherson to kick that the biggest kick of his life to send the Bengals to the Super Bowl ice cold it was just it, it was an awesome game to watch the the way that Cincinnati came back the same way they did it in the first game. It was incredible. And I think that all of America is probably rooting for Kansas, not Kansas City, for Cincinnati to win the Super Bowl. I am. I am. I'm not. Um for a couple for, for a couple reasons. Yeah, I know, I know I know your reason. Uh one, I think Stafford deserves a Super Bowl. Um I like Stafford. I think he's been underrated his whole career. And so, you know, as much as I love the Bengals, I think I like the Bengals more than the Rams right now. Just they're more exciting in, in many they're more fun. Ways. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I think when it comes down to it, I think Burrow's going to have another shot. And Stafford may too, but, you know, this is his best chance I think he's going to get in his career. So if Stafford wants to prove anything towards, you know, having any sort of legacy whatsoever once he retires, I think he needs to win the Super Bowl. And then second is that, you know, I betted, not bet, but I – personally said that the Rams were going to make the Super Bowl and that I thought that they were going to win before the season started. So, you know, that would be kind of nice if they did to, you know, prove that I was right. And, and you know, that'd be a little nice. But um, other than that, I do agree with you that I think the Bengals are more fun to watch. And I think a lot of people are really happy that they made the Super Bowl. So, you know, this is going to be probably one of the highest viewed games, I think, in a while. I, um, I think a lot of people are going to be tuning into this. I disagree. There is, there is no way this game is as exciting as Brady Mahomes in the Super Bowl. That one didn't turn out that great, though. No, it didn't. But, like, coming into the game, that's, oh, well, that's, no, I, that's the GOAT okay. and his supposed successor. Yes, I, I, I know what you're saying. But I'm saying, like, in terms of, like, NFL fans who are tired of seeing the same guys win and win over and over again, this is a breath of fresh air. A lot of people who, you know, maybe the viewership may not be as high as, you know, I, I, I'm, I was wrong saying that, I think. But, like, people are going to be – some people are going to be more excited about this one than any past Super Bowl. Yeah. Because they're going to see two, like, sort of underdogs battle it out. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that's enough about the, the Bengals and Kansas City game. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about, you know, the Bengals um, and the Super Bowl 
when you know next week right before the game but um let's segue into that Niners and Rams game um this one you know you said that you thought the Niners should have won that one not coming in but like once the game was was in in tow I felt that the the Niners were playing more like they needed to win it than the Rams were I mean I do get how you could say that they were up 17-7. They looked good. They were moving the ball. Defense was making plays. But at the same time, you know, Skronik had that dropped ball. Yeah. Cup had that dropped ball. The Rams, the Rams didn't show were, up. We're playing a little sloppy. I, I think, you know, we, when I said that, you know, um, earlier the comments about the Rams, more so that the Rams have been self they, they've been self-destructive. Yeah. It, it hasn't been about the teams that they're playing are just better and playing better than them. It's that the Rams haven't been playing well. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, you know, when you said that, like, you didn't think that it's going to be a cakewalk for the for the Chiefs. I never said that, but I'm saying that, you know, the Rams haven't been playing to their full potential. They've yeah. been choking games. They've been self-destructing. And, you know, that's why I think the Bengals do have a shot at potentially winning the Super Bowl. You know, I think the Rams are going to win, but the, the Rams have been self-destructing themselves recently. So I think any team, even if it's like a bad team, like the Eagles or like any team who was playing the Rams next week, I think there's a shot that the Rams choke it away. And okay. Hold, hold on. The I'm Eagles just saying, could never beat the Rams. <laughs> if the defense made some plays, if Stafford no, was just no, end of the, story. Down the Eagles could never beat the Rams. End of story. This year's Eagles team I'm could never I'm beat the saying. Rams. If we put Minshew in, maybe. Um, <laughs> no, that was a joke that was a joke calm down um yeah but let, let's talk about that Niners game uh, before we get too off topic um yeah um Jimmy G's last game as a Niner and yeah. that that's absolute I mean he had an awful playoff run I mean they've been winning and looking good but he has been awful um he he didn't play too bad in parts of that game but he he made some bad decisions that last pick sealed the game he, he did not need to throw that well what else is he gonna do he was sacked pretty much yeah but he just literally flung it up right to the defender like he just panicked you can't panic in a situation like that he didn't have any other options it was super ugly he could have just tried to throw it away maybe just like you know i, I don't know that, that that was not the right the, the right throw to make there wasn't um, a right throw to make to me he, he was there he were was better screwed, he was better throws second than that happened he was there were better the second throws. he was going down. There were better throws than that one. But, you know, Jimmy G, Jimmy G's gone, like I just said. Uh, Trey Lance yeah. is going to be the future of that team. That That's absolute. Jimmy He's G's going to get another starting chance at some other team, Yeah, which he should. Um, he's not a great quarterback, but he's he's, he's not solid. awful when he's, he's, he's healthy. Yeah. So, you know, um, good for him. Um, they had a better run than I thought they would. You were so high on them uh, to start the year, yeah. and it, you, you were right. I mean – Debo is a monster. I'm that I never saw coming. I'm ready to put him in my top 10 receivers. I know how like a lot of people have him in there already, but he's I was like, him. I need to see a little bit more. Got just the, the way they've been utilizing him, he's their offense. Kittle's yeah. a great blocker. They, they run a lot with Mitchell, but they run a lot with Debo too. And they pass to him. They just get him the ball whenever they need to move the ball downfield. And he he's a special player. So, no, yeah. Look, um, and something else that this game really did for me was open my eyes to Cooper Cup. I've been a little skeptical all year because of how much work he does out of the slot and because we haven't seen production like this from him before. But that dude is just always open. And you know they're always double covering him too. Like they're, they're 
focusing on Cooper Cup after the season he's had. And he's just still always open. So I think he's got to be top five at this point. I think he's definitely over Hopkins. I think that you can make the argument he's over Diggs. No, I, I think you could say he's over Diggs. I agree, actually. And but out, I don't know. Jefferson is kind of a toss up. Tyree Jefferson's Hill, still over him, in my mm, opinion. Tyreek Hill is over, over him, him, and Adams is over him. But I yeah. think that you can you can make an argument that he's top three. But I don't Pup think just I, think, I think he's four. He's and unreal. I think he's four. And you may be surprised hearing that from me because I was really reluctant to put him in my top five for the same reasons that you just said. But, you know, as a guy who loves Hopkins, Hopkins has been injured this year and Cup has been so good that I'm putting Cup over Hopkins now. I'm putting Cup over Diggs now. I, he does work a lot in the slot, but like you said, he's, he's incredible. And people need to start giving him a little bit more recognition. Yeah. You know, a lot of people have, but still, he's, he's incredible. Um, and, you know, we were talking a lot about, you know, offensive side of the ball. Um, for the Rams, that defensive line is incredible still. Um, yeah. You know, that's one thing that, you know, they, their defense may get them a Super Bowl win if, if their offense too. totally folds. I think, can easily I think them. they'll victimize that Cincinnati line. Exactly. And, you know, we you saw them win against the Niners, who have a great offensive line, who have maybe the best linemen in the league, at least this season. <laughs> Trent Williams was fantastic this year. Um, he, he was incredible this year. He has the highest – this is the highest graded season, I think, of any player on PFF was Trent Williams this season. Can't take that as the gospel, though. Not as the gospel, but you have to acknowledge that he's been great. He was all pro. He's getting older, but he's still a superstar. And Washington yeah. did not utilize. I mean, that, I that was an ugly situation, what happened there. But Ultimately, with the, the, the story with the Niners game, is that the Niners just folded. As the, the call to punt the, the ball away with 10 minutes left, tie game, was it tied? Or were you up three or 10? 10 minutes left, they were down. They're, they were no, up they still. weren't. No, no, they were up or tied, but it they was a fourth up. and two from like the forty-five yard line. And after you ran it up the middle twice, and Shanahan decided to punt it away, which is really uncharacteristic of him. That was a really questionable. I was I was really questioning it when that happened. And then once Stafford threw up that prayer to Jaquaski Tartney, dropped it. I you'll remember I texted you the second that he dropped that ball. The Rams just won the game, even though they were down ten or three. They were still down at that point. And they had to punt the ball away. The second he dropped that ball, the Rams won. The Niners' life just got sucked away on that play, and it, it was over from there. the The Rams got their momentum back, and it, it was just over. The more talented team won, so it, it was the expected result. But the way they won was not the expected outcome. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, I like if you remember, I couldn't watch either game the full games live I missed the entire Chiefs game I had to rewatch it on Monday afterwards and then I only saw uh the end of the third and the fourth of the the Rams and Niners so I, I had to rewatch the beginning I, I obviously watched it you know being a big football fan but you know um that game went a little bit differently than I thought it would um I think you know the Rams maybe got a little out coached for a lot of that game and they ended up winning it all because they're the more talented team, but the Niners really put up a fight. I'm going to give it to you right now, Alex. That was a great pick talking about them being a surprise team 
before the season started. And I doubted them and they looked really good in the playoffs. So if Lance is anything special, which I think he might be, then I think they're going to be a real good team for the next, you know, I five, 10 years. all in on the Niners for the next couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, if Debo, if they continue using him as like a running back wide receiver hybrid, then the sky's the limit okay. for him in that offense. So um, good for them. And like I said, I'm, I'm really high on the Rams have been for a while. So happy that McVay and Stafford made the Super Bowl too. Um, and I think we're both really looking forward to that game. It should be fun. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll talk a lot more about that next week, but that's really all we have for the overview. Um, let's segue into, uh, you know, talking about Tom Brady, which he lost to Stafford and the Rams, the team we just talked about. So um, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. And, you know, people have debated that some people have um, a little bit because, you know, maybe he's not the most talented quarterback ever. You know, some people think that his, some of his individual seasons aren't as good as some other quarterbacks, Rodgers, Manning, but that really doesn't matter when you have seven rings, when you have the most touchdowns ever, when you have the most yards ever, when you have the greatest longevity ever, greatest playoff success ever, maybe the best release ever out of any quarterback, you know, oh. Tom Brady has everything. <laughs> cool it. Cool it with no. that one. Why? Why should I cool it? Because there's a certain number 12 that's still playing that has unquestionably the greatest release ever. It's not true. Tom, by release, I mean, once from snap to pass, Brady is the best at getting the ball to his receiver, no matter what. Once again, with time to throw, I mean, yeah, Brady throws a nice slant time-wise, but when you talk about release, there is a there is a certain number 12 that's still playing. Rodgers is the second best release. No, Rodgers is, is the best. I'll give you, I'll, I'll no. give you Brady second, sure, but Rodgers is no doubt the best in my mind. I'll flip-flop. Brady's one, Rodgers is two. Rodgers is, is great and probably more talented than Brady. The way Rodgers just the flicks the ball is just yeah. unreal, unbelievable. But but Brady Brady's the GOAT, and it's unquestioned. Seven Super Bowls, like we said, it's not going to be replicated, at least not within the next 50 years at least. Um, you know, he has, I, since I've been watching football, he's been the guy and, it, you know, it's, it's frustrating to see him win so much, uh, with, you know, Tampa Bay and, you know, obviously New Orleans, uh, not New Orleans, New England, but, um, at the same time, it's kind of sad to see him go. And, you know, it's, it's going to be weird not having Brady in the league anymore, but it's going to, you know, change the league a little bit. We're going to see. Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, um, Allen, of course, uh, the guys we talked about a little bit earlier, they're going to start taking over and the league's going to change, you know, into the next generation of quarterbacks, which we haven't really even dove into yet. Yeah, so. no, but like you talked about the AFC quarterbacks that are going to take over for Brady, but Brady wasn't in the AFC. Brady's retirement in the NFC opens up the, the NFC to, to be taken over by superstars like Jalen Hurts. Stop. <laughs> Stop. The NFC. I mean, Kyler, Dak, Dak's not. All I, I don't know about all of them. Like, I know, but I'm saying like who, like who's the best young quarterback in the NFC? Kyler. I guess, but like young quarterback, I think it's Kyler. Yeah, you you would have you would have to say, but like you do have some some interesting guys coming up. I'm big on Fields after seeing him this season work with what he had which was nothing let me be yep. clear obviously i'm super high on lance same um 
the NFC South, you don't really have much. All those teams are going to be rebuilding after Brady. The Saints are rebuilding. They just lost Sean Payton, which is pretty much their whole life. Yeah. Um, Carolina has a pretty no poor coach and no quarterback. Atlanta has Matt Ryan on a massive contract. And we know how I feel about Matt Ryan. And then the, the Buccaneers have nobody now either. Kyle Trask. Right. So... <laughs> Um, the, the NFC, I think in a couple NFC's years, it'll look a little scary. It'll, it'll look scary with some new quarterbacks. Um, right now it's still dominated by old quarterbacks. Rogers who for maybe now. leaving but for now, Rogers for now. I mean, Wilson had an off year, but I still think Wilson's a really good quarterback. Russell Wilson also for now. Yeah, true. If he I gets mean, traded, it'll probably be to an AFC team. Stafford too. No, there's a couple for other now. older guys. Stafford's staying with the Rams. No, no, I agree. But like, who knows how much longer he'll be good for guys. Yeah, guys been really injured. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the NFC, like I said, I think it'll be scary in a couple of years, but it's not yet, but the AFC is already scary. And yeah, you know, um, looking at different generations of, you know, NFL talent, NFL quarterbacks, the eighties was when like the modern quarterback started forming with Marino and Fouts. And then like the nineties, what? Elway, uh, Elway, El, yes, on, but Elway man. never threw for forty eight hundred yards, five thousand yards, like Fouts and Marino did. Still, so. yeah, but El, Elway wasn't as much of a modern quarterback. Montana, nineties, Montana wasn't as much of a modern quarterback as Mon, as Marino. The West Coast Fouts offense, dude. He, he they ran a modern offense, but he wasn't a modern gunslinger. He was he was better than Fouts and. Marino, not maybe not better, but he did more is than Marino Brady. Did. Your modern gunslinger? No, but he's definitely way right. more modern than Montana is. I don't know about that one. Yeah, I no, he, he so. is. No, he is. you can't say way more modern. I mean, they Brady and Montana are like the parallels of each other, and that that's just what it is. I mean, right. Brady is the modern day Montana, but like Marino and Fouts are definitely way more. They they started the trend before Montana did, I guess. And then Montana and Elway and other guys far in the 90s. Elway more so in the 90s than in the 80s. Uh, I don't count Troy Aikman, but you, you know what I'm saying. Warren Moon, you know, all these guys uh, started the trend. And each year, each decade, stats got better, talent got better, passing and, you know, um, the way the game was played got trended more towards the quarterback playing better. And over time, 5,000-yard seasons are now, you know, they're a regular occurrence. This year, two quarterbacks went over 5,000 yards. You know, there was a 15, 20-year stretch where only one quarterback had a 5,000-yard season. So, you know, this is becoming a more regular and regular thing. And with all the talent that we see with these young new quarterbacks in the league, I think that, you know, things are just going to continue to just get more modern and modern and stats are going to continue to go up. We may see a 6,000-yard season in the next 20 years. Who knows? Um, no, because at that point, you got to start throwing for 500 yards a game, it feels like. I mean, which never know. I, I don't know. I don't you know. Never, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, like, the way that the league has progressed over time, it's just going to keep progressing, especially with, this, with these 17-game seasons. Yeah, because you got to imagine they go to 18 soon, within 10 yeah. years. And, you know, with the way that Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Burrow can throw the ball, I mean, the sky's the limit for these young guys. So 
I really expect this new generation to be to be pretty wild. Uh, maybe even Lance and Fields will get in there a little bit. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as, as cool as Brady and Rodgers and all them are, I think that this new generation has potential to be even more fun to watch in some ways. Yeah, because because players are developing the I think the new trend of quarterbacks is going to be a Josh Allen type of mold where you take this really raw guy out of the draft who has all the physical tools and maybe not the the ability to read defenses or throw the ball as accurate as you want coming out. And then if he gets to to be developed the right way, the way Josh Allen was, you're you're gonna and Mahomes same same idea. Both of them were really raw coming out, and they needed a year to develop. Mahomes sat for a year. Allen went in right away, but Allen his first year or two wasn't really what he is now at all. And so you're gonna start seeing guys like that taken really high. You saw it with Trey Lance last year. I think you're gonna see it with Malik Willis this year. I think Malik Willis is gonna end up going top ten by the time everything's all said and done. He, he has similar flaws to Lance and Allen coming out. So I think that teams are going to start having faith in their ability to develop guys like that. And that's going to be the new type of mold you see rather than the, the guys who will just sit there in the pocket and tear you up. You're going to be drafting these athletes with these crazy physical talents and then worrying about the rest later. Yeah. Then, you know, you said crazy physical talent at the same time, there's guys like Lamar who, you know, Lamar, how did I forget. Like, yeah, Lamar took over the league in 2019, and he's still when he's healthy, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So, yeah. you know, um, there's definitely going to be some you know mobile quarterbacks coming up on this new generation. I think it's very likely that another quarterback is going to go for a thousand plus yards. Maybe someone will even be predecessor to Lamar. Uh, maybe for a different. No, I, I don't. I don't know. Will, can... You know, do better than he does. So. Um, I don't know that you can say just the way the game's being played. I'm just saying there's a lot of things to look forward to um, and a a lot of new possibilities for these quarterbacks. So with Brady leaving, um, you know, it, it brings these young guys and, you know, maybe they have a shot to um, do something special to to this league. I don't know that you can say that another guy's going to go for a thousand because Lamar to me is the greatest running quarterback ever. And the second to him is Vic. Did Vic ever go over a thousand? Uh, yes. Yeah. So that's the only two guys that'll ever do it. No, I I don't think so. Because back in the day, quarterbacks, they didn't want them to run the ball and they wouldn't let them, you know, there were guys who could have probably, if they, if they ran all game, every game, they probably could have done it. Cunningham definitely could have, he he had 900 or something for sure. But like nowadays there's so many perfect, like great athletes that it's going to happen eventually that that's just yeah, my you're, you're gonna fall upon a special talent at some point i agree but like it won't be as common at all it, it'll no, be like one it, or two guys maybe in the next it'll year, happen again i think years. It's, just, it's just something to look forward to you know that's yeah. all i'm saying um but yeah um i think that's all we really have with tom brady um just something to think about something cool that you know we wanted to shed light on um next we're gonna talk about these three coaches that were hired um a lot of good stuff here. You know, we like these hirings in some ways. We don't like mm-hmm. them in some other ways. We're, we're going to talk about all that. First one is McDaniels to the Raiders. And this one was kind of funny because, you know, you saw that Josh Jacobs tweet. He obviously wasn't too happy about the hiring. And, you know, the team didn't think that they needed a new coach. That was basically what it was based on how successful they were once Gruden was fired this year. But um, I know you want to talk about it first because you're a big McDaniels guy. <laughs> what i i don't know like is that a joke because i've never really 
spoken too much about how much I like or dislike McDaniels. You you wanted us to get him last year, didn't you? Not really. At first you did. More than like No, no, I just didn't want him. <laughs> uh, well, maybe I'm mistaken. Sorry, but um I think that the McDaniels hire was so painfully obvious once they hired Dave Ziegler as their GM, who was the uh the president of player operations or something for New England. It's a New England front office guy, so the writing was very clearly on the wall that they were going to hire McDaniels as their coach. And I mean, I don't hate the hiring. I'm, I'm annoyed that this is the first chance that McDaniels is getting to be a head coach since Denver because he, he was offered the job for Indianapolis 2018, which means the Eagles would have kept Frank Reich. And that's a whole nother story, but I don't think it's a bad hire. I think there's definitely worse candidates that they could have gone with. And McDaniels is definitely someone that you can trust to have a, a good offensive season. He's been under Brady or rather over Brady for the longest time. And he, he can definitely run a, a nice scheme for them. So I, I don't hate it, but I also don't love it. it, it it's, it's meh to me. Yeah. Um, he kind of failed in Denver and he was young. So, I mean, it, it makes yeah, sense. I don't, I don't know how much you could take away from that. Yeah. He, he was young. So, I mean, you can't really give him too much, you know, hate for that, but um, at the end of the day, he, he's a good mind, good football mind. Yeah. And, you know, um, I don't think it's a bad hiring, but it's nothing I'm too crazy about. I, I like the Raiders, but I don't think he's going to do anything to propel them into, you know, anything more than what they did this year. I, I don't know. I mean, mm -hmm. we'll have to see. I just think the Raiders are a decent team and I think McDaniels is a decent coach. So, that, you know, they go together. Um, yeah, it's nothing too crazy. Nothing too crazy. The next hiring is O'Connell to the Vikings. Kevin O'Connell. Say their first name. And Kevin O'Connell. <laughs> and, you know, Kevin O'Connell is, uh, as an Eagles fan, we saw him in Washington in 2019 as their offensive coordinator. Um, Washington's offense in some aspects in 2019 was actually, it was pretty good. Um, you know, he was a name that, you know, went around the league a little bit enough that the Rams wanted him as their offensive coordinator in 2020. They got him. And, McVay um, is a great coach. So, you know, I like the fact that he worked with, yeah. with McVay. I think McVay and this great team that the Rams um, have had over the last, you know, since, since the Rams have been good, I think McVay has learned a lot. Him being able to pass down some skills to O'Connell is great. Potentially. And so, you know, I honestly like pairing, you know, a McVay like mind with the Vikings. They have great offensive weapons. I think they could do a lot to propel their team to, you know, maybe making some runs within the next five years or so, because, especially with Rodgers leaving that division. It's going oh, to be wide open. I'm, I'm going to stop you right there again. No, it's we, not we talking about this earlier. Rodgers is hatched. Rodgers, yeah, don't count the chickens before they're hatched, but Rodgers is probably gone. And if he's not, he'll be retired in three to four years. Okay. That's, that's a fair so, so this division is going to open up no matter what it's going to open up eventually. And so having a coach who could potentially be a very strong offensive minded coach with Justin Jefferson, with Dalvin cook, if he's still there, who knows, but with, with, with superstar talent, I mean, it could make for a lot of success. And I, I, I like the hiring. 
Um, I don't know too much about O'Connell. Like I said, I mean, I haven't seen him too, too much. We saw him in 2019 and with the Rams, obviously, but um, I, I do like the hiring and I think it'll work out for them pretty well. Yeah. Um, there was, there was really heavy rumors of Jim Harbaugh coming to Minnesota, which I don't really know that I liked because, well, no, because Harbaugh was a really good NFL coach when he was with the Niners, but he hasn't coached in the NFL in a long time. He's been at Michigan for a really long time at this point. And so I, I wasn't really in love with that hire when it was supposedly happening. And I'm still not, I'm still really not in love with this hire with Kevin O'Connell. I think that there are better candidates again, but there are also definitely worse candidates. If McVay really did uh, bestow a lot of his wisdom onto Kevin O'Connell, then I think that it's, this will be a really successful hire. But O'Connell, he's only 36 years old. Uh, that offense is McVeigh's completely, pretty much. And if, I mean, if McVeigh did like him enough to make him the offensive coordinator, then I see no reason that the Vikings shouldn't have confidence in that. But I, I don't know how much he's proven, which that is what teams are doing now. They're getting the young guys to get the head coaching jobs before they can get poached by another team looking to make that same kind of splash with the young guy. But you know, they, they definitely have the personnel to make him succeed. So you can't really use that as, as an excuse for him if he doesn't. Honestly, it's it's not another one that I hate either. Both both of these I don't love, but I don't hate. I, I really like this O'Connell hire. And I mean, like I said, I mean, he's kind of a wild card, so it could go wrong. But at the same time, I think these are the types of hires you have to make. Yeah. There's a good chance it works out with the personnel, with McVay helping him. And he is young, but young coaches, if they're successful, like McVeigh is, could mm-hmm. go on crazy runs. He, he could turn out to be a fantastic coach. And being at such a young age does also have some benefits. You know, being a younger football mind allows you, you know, m- most younger football minds are more creative. Um, they're more willing to adapt to newer football, you know, ideas and th- things like that. So that's just something to think about. But we'll have to see how O'Connell does with the Vikings. Um, definitely is going to be put on the spot because they're going to be in a position to win. I feel like, especially year one or two, if Rogers leaves, I'm not going to, you know, talk on that yet. Cause he hasn't left, but um, I think that's all we got to say about O'Connell. And then this one, the last hiring we know a lot about uh, Doug Peterson to Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, do you want to start talking about this first, Alex? Yeah. Um, this was kind of my prediction for the Jaguars once they fired urban Meyer late season, but then, you heard all this smoke about how they were going to hire Byron Leftwich to be their head coach, but ultimately he didn't want to come there because they didn't fire Trent Balk. And <laughs> this is a big mistake for the Jaguars, not because Doug Peterson is a bad coach because he's not. And I think Doug Peterson is an, is an excellent players coach and definitely can hire the right guys to be under him. But the problem with the Eagles was at the end, he started promoting all of these guys that weren't ready to be in those positions that he put them in. And he just, there was no flexibility with him. And I don't think he's a very good play caller. I think, no, no, no. I should say he's not a very good play designer because Frank Reich was doing a lot of the designing of the plays in the Super Bowl year, but then Doug was calling them, which it worked well. They were calling really good plays, but then once Frank Reich left, and all of his offensive guys left. They started running these really poor plays. They never they, they never threw anything over the middle. It was always just either slants or go deep, it seemed. And I, I don't love Doug as a coach, but then after you get 
you take away all your good options because you don't want to fire Trent Balk. I think Doug is a good hire for them. I actually like it because I think that he can make Trevor Lawrence take that next step the way he allowed Carson Wentz to take that next step back in 2017 when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And like Trevor is going to benefit a lot from this because Doug is a great motivational coach. If they can get another weapon or two for them, for him, plus maybe go Evan Neal first overall to get that line right. I think Jacksonville could be two, three years away, which is a lot to say for that team. That's a fair take. And I I do want to say I was really happy about that left, witch signing or hiring um, potential hiring. You know, we talked about that a little bit and um you know, I, I think left, which would have been a better option than Peterson. I know I like Peterson. Obviously, I mean, I'm an Eagles fan. He got us our only Super Bowl. So yeah, helped yeah. get us our only Super Bowl um, left, which, you know, what he's done with the Bucks has been has been great as their offensive coordinator. But um, at the end of the day, I do agree with you that I think Peterson's a good hire. I like the fact that they're getting, you know, they're looking at co- coaches that were previous quarterbacks. And, you know, Doug Peterson was a backup quarterback. So at least I'll have a little bit of insight, a little bit of help to give Trevor Lawrence um, definitely more than Urban Meyer could give him. (laughs) Um, Not the truth. Yeah. Um, And, you know, like you said, I do think Jacksonville, they're they're not ready yet, but in a couple of years, they may be a decent or really good team. Who knows if if they can develop their guys correctly. Um, You know, when in Philly, Carson Wentz looks like he was going to develop into some superstar. Uh, He had a couple of already a superstar. Or he, I mean, he was a superstar in 2017, but he looked like he was going to be like a top five quarterback yeah. year in and year out when Doug Peterson was mentoring him and helping him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things went south, but I don't think that's all on Doug yeah, Peterson. Yeah, you can't blame it all on him. He definitely did make some really, really bad decisions with some staff hirings, um, some of his play calling. Just, you know, there, there were things that were bad on Peterson's side. But our organization is a mess. And as an Eagles oh, fan, I can, okay. I can say that, you know. You're talking about a playoff team here. Let's, let's not forget. Now. No. Um, so, anyway, but, you know, we like I said, we can't blame it all on Peterson. And I think he definitely deserves a second chance. And I yeah. like this Jacksonville um, hiring. I think if he gets the right personnel around him and if they could get some good players in the draft, I, I like Jacksonville. Yeah, it's for the next it's a good seasons. hire. So that leaves – three teams that are still looking for a coach. You got Houston, New Orleans, and Miami. And Houston is rumored to have three finalists, them being Brian Flores, who we'll talk about in a second, uh, Josh McCown, which I think is ridiculous considering he's never coached anything in the NFL before. And then the Eagles defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, which Which is is a little bit questionable to me, but I can definitely see the potential for him being a good head coach given the right personnel. And maybe he's a better head coach than the coordinator. Those coaches do exist. Um, Miami, I don't see being a very desirable location for a head coach, given what we're about to talk about. And New Orleans, my favorite candidate for New Orleans and for any of these jobs is still Mike McDaniel from the Niners. So I really hope that the, uh, the Saints do get Mike McDaniel. But three teams left, that's still plenty to talk about. We've been doing three a week at this point. Yeah. Uh, okay, you talked. You want to talk about Flores? Uh, just yeah. get into that situation a little bit. So Brian Flores is suing the NFL based on allegations of being ordered to tank and not being given a fair shot at the 
Giants job, which is in violation of the Rooney rule, or at least would be uh, given the information that they had already decided to hire Brian Dable before interviewing Brian Flores, which was really just a show because they knew they wouldn't hire him. Um, but I think that the, the tanking thing is more what I'll get into because that could be really bad for the NFL. If, if these owners are incentivizing coaches to lose, like Brian Flores said that Stephen Ross was offering him $100,000 per loss that first year. And Brian Flores said, no, I'm still a competitor, which they lost their first a million games that year anyway, because they had no talent. But I think that could be really bad for the NFL because the NFL, they've been getting so much more into this gambling scene. And once you start incentivizing tanking, losing on purpose, then that starts to mess with people's pockets. And you've already gone so far into this gambling rabbit hole, you can't get out. I mean, you have a team in Vegas that's the gambling capital of the world. And I think they have a casino in their stadium too, which (laughs) that's funny to begin with. So you really have to like handle this tanking thing early on, like right now before it gets out of control. You already have other coaches that are apparently uh, talking about being told to lose games that Brian Flores said that. And publicly Hugh Jackson said, came out and said that the Haslam's offered him to lose games, which who knows how valid that is because he's one of the only winless seasons ever along with the 08 Lions and has proven to be a pretty awful head coach. So I don't know how true that is. And he runs his mouth a lot. <laughs> not not to be like disrespectful to that, but he does talk a lot. So I don't know how valid that claim is, but this could be really bad for the NFL. Yeah, it, it's a really bad look. Uh, the NFL is going to have to crack down on these allegations. Um, you know, just this this really can't happen in the NFL. And yeah, like I said, it's, it's a bad look. Um, teams tanking, it, it ruins the experience for the fans, for the organization as a whole. I mean, teams may want to do it for draft picks or, you know, for whatever but reason. But at the end of the day, you just can't do that. And yeah, I mean, I think, uh, there, there's not much more to say on that. I think we need to wait for more information on, on that part. Um, I'll let you speak in a minute. But I do want to say... Um, you know, we're not going to talk too much about, about the other side of it because, uh, you know, we also want to hear more information on that. But I do think that it's really unfair that, you know, the Giants didn't at least give Flores a, a shot. You know, the fact that, you know, they, they knew that Dable was going to be their head coach before Flores even got the interview is, is ridiculous. Flores is a good coach. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying that I would take him over Dable, but he definitely deserved at least a look at and yeah. – um, you know, it's unfair for him. I do think him suing the league, he definitely should. And I hope he wins. I hope that, you know, all the things that are happening uh, get fixed. I hope that, you know, this isn't a reoccurring issue in the league and just in sports in general, because it, it's a shame, um, in my opinion. So I think I think he'll get hired for Houston. I, I mean, I'd listed the, the finalists and yeah. I think he's far and away the best candidate out of those three. Definitely. And but anyway, like I was going to say with the tanking, um, the one saving grace to that, even if the owners are offering these coaches a bunch of money to purposefully lose the games because they want draft picks, the coaches are not necessarily going to comply, as we saw with Brian Flores. I think most coaches would fall under that category. And teams can tank, players don't tank. 
Yep. These guys are playing for their next contracts and they're competitors. They've been playing this game their whole lives. They, they, they love the game. They want to win. So I don't think you can ever convince players to go out there and lose on purpose. Even if the team and the owner and the, the GM, I should say, are trying to tank and they, they get their team devoid of all talent the way Miami did before that year with Brian Flores in his first year as a coach, even they still managed to win five games that year. They went on this big run at the end of the year, even though they were never going to go anywhere, they still competed. And that's what convinced me as on Brian Flores as a coach with that team that was so lacking in talent, he still managed to win five games and get that team to rally around him. I think that Brian Flores is a good coach. He might not necessarily be the best uh, organizer the same way Doug was. I think Brian Flores has those same issues with hiring staff, but he definitely is a good enough head coach to be one of those 32 that are in the league. So, Yeah, I agree. And it, it is a fair point that coaches and players are not going to comply with the tanking. Although just if an organization as a whole, you know, if the training facilities, if the game plan, if, you know, the owner and the coach aren't fully, fully into, you know, winning or at least playing and giving it your all, then that's not right. And so, you know, that's just what the league's going to have to look into. Um, I sure hope that teams aren't doing this right now. I mean, I doubt many are. Some owners may be a little sleazy, but... If they were, no. they're not doing it anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the league is definitely going to crack down on this because this is a big no-no. Uh, especially in the public eye, the league doesn't want anyone knowing about yeah. anything like this going on. So it, it's going to stop. And so that that's good. I'm glad that this is being, you know, put out to the public so that it doesn't happen again. Um, anything else you want to say on that? Um, I think it's kind of surprising that Brian Flores is still likely going to get hired, even all of this, because NFL teams don't like controversy. Yeah. But I mean, good for him. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. Like, like you've been saying all episode, don't count your chickens before they're hatched. Yeah, right. Never know. I mean, he really should be hired. If those I'm, are the three finalists, I like him. He's, he's the best out of those three. And, you know, yeah. I've seen Gannon, I've seen McCown as a player. Um, you know, Flores is the best out of those three. And yeah, I mean, I I really hope he gets hired. He deserves it at least to be a head coach of some team. So yeah, we'll wait on that. And we'll, I'm sure we're going to be talking more about Flores sometime soon when more things and more details come out about different, you know, perspectives and other stuff. But, um, that's all we have to say right now about that. Um, the last thing we have on the agenda is to talk about the new Washington football team name. Um, a couple of days ago, Washington football team had this huge announcement that they are going to be the Washington commanders. Um, they also released some uniforms and, you know, um, a lot of fans have made their opinions very, you know, public and vocal, been super vocal about how they feel about the name, how the organization dealt with that whole name change. And I personally don't like the name. I think Commanders is one of the weaker choices out of the ones yeah. they could have picked. Um, you know, we'll be used to it within a year or two. Yeah. And it'll be just, you know, common to call them Commanders. Mm-hmm. But it, it just it, it just sounds kind of weird. I think they could have picked a couple better names. Also, the uniforms aren't that great, in my opinion. Awful, awful some, uniforms. Some people like them, surprisingly. Really? I don't. I the think only, that they're The only ones really that bad. I like are the red ones. I think the white yeah. ones are really poor and the, the black ones are especially bad. I Yeah, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the uniforms or the name or just how they dealt with the whole thing. You know, um, I mean, I think they waited too long 
to change their name. And then when they changed it, I don't like how they did it. So um, th that's really all I have to say about that. We'll be used to it eventually, but I think they could have handled that whole thing a little bit better, picked a better name, maybe branded their team to look a little bit better. I mean, they're not going to be winning many games in my, I don't think anytime soon. So at least make your team name and logo and uniforms look cool and maybe attract <laughs> more fans, but you know, um, Washington the, will always be Washington. The black uniforms, they have the different helmet. I'm pretty sure their, their uniforms all have different colored helmets. And so on the black ones, there's, there's this, the W from the Washington football team logo is right on the front of them. And it looks ridiculous. Yeah. The, the black ones look like Steelers uniforms because there's not much red on them at all. And then the white ones look like Cardinals uniforms because there's not much yellow. But they look, they look worse than both the Steelers and Cardinals. Uniforms. I agree. And I think that the right choice, my personal choice for them would have been the Red Wolves. Cause that Same. was cool. You could, you could change your logo from two years ago, uh, make the feather a, a tail, and then you can make them howl when it's like third down the whole crowd. Yep. Um, but I think it's pretty ironic that the, the team based in the nation's capital can have their name shortened to the commies. Yeah, <laughs> um, that is true. I haven't <laughs> thought about that yet. Which wow. I think that's hilarious, but hey, what can you expect from Dan Snyder? <laughs> yeah. I Washington mean, will Washington. Washington will Washington. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that's all I really have to say about that. I had a thought, but I lost it. Um, but, you know, that's all. That's Oh, I actually do have a thought. I want to say this. Um, there was that also that video of Chase Young. Uh, before they yeah. the name, like last year, they asked him about all the possible names that the franchise could change themselves to. And when commanders came up, Chase, you know, he was doing the grading system. He said F he was like, no. So, I mean, it, it says something when, you know, your players, one of your best players on your team, one of the stars, the young stars on your team is saying that he does not like the name. I mean, I don't know. We'll get used to it. Just, you know, a little bit of something fun to talk to at the end of the episode. Um, yeah, that, that's all we got. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you're going to tune in for next week because we're going to talk about a lot of important Super Bowl stuff. But, you know, this was just kind of a fun little intermission while the playoffs are kind of on a standstill. A lot of things going on, a lot of things to talk about. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.